0: Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Good morning. It's Wednesday the 4th of November 2020. Welcome to Nordea's Morning Expresso. As ever if you're listening live you can select a simultaneous translation which is available by clicking uh, on the button below. Likewise uh, there's another button if you click on there you can ask your questions as we go along or you can always send emails to nordeafunds at nordea.com. Well, of course, it's been an exciting week, and uh, today is a special day, so we have again uh, our senior macros uh, strategist, Dr. Sebastian Gali with us. Sebastian, good morning. Were you up all night uh, watching television?
1: I was, I was. It's like going through the eye of the needle. You don't know what's going to happen until, well, until it does finally happen.
0: Yeah, quite. But it's all looking a little bit indecisive right now. Um, Everything seems to be hanging in the balance. So where do we go from now? Uh, What are you expecting next?
1: What matters now, of course, is the recount. The recount will take days and weeks uh, before we have a, a lot of clarity, uh, a level of uh, the elections, and that will drive sentiment, obviously. But the real hit is, of course, in the short term. So, volatility is elevated before fading. But what you have to realize is that there are two risks. One is a presidency under Trump that we understand quite well, and one under Biden that we think we understand quite well. So it's just the evolution of these probability which matters, but the outcome uh, per se is something we're quite familiar with.
0: Okay, so uh, moving perhaps a bit closer to home because uh, the US election is not the only big thing happening at the moment. What we're seeing is uh, more and more uh, lockdowns uh, here in Europe. And uh, I just wondered whether you think that perhaps investors should be concerned um, about a W-shaped recovery now that we've got this new situation?
1: Well, we are in a W-shaped recovery because we have lockdowns. Now There are smart lockdowns in in Europe. We can uh, think about uh, France. You can think about Germany. And if you consider the United States, it's probably three to four to five weeks behind what's happening. In, uh, in Europe, which means uh, more lockdowns uh, are gonna come also to the United States. Again, smart lockdowns, so the impact on growth would be much, much uh, more moderate than the, the previous one. But nonetheless, in non hit. the market has been trading on that theory, so a lot of it is actually priced in. The question is really the health policy, do the lockdowns, do the different measures are perceived to be the right measures? Uh, Are they perceived to have the right uh, degree of efficacy? And the answer is most likely yes. The open question, of course, is in the United States.
0: Great, well, thank you for that, Sebastian. Um, Let's see what happens over the next few few weeks, both in the US and and here in Europe. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Now we're gonna ma- move over to the main section of today's discussion. And for that, I am joined by Torben Fredriksen who is portfolio manager of our European high yield stars bond strategy. Good morning, Torben. Good morning. Hi. So Torben, um, the focus of the discussion today is, is actually on this uh, ESG stars uh, solution, um, which was launched um, a few years back. But actually you've been successfully managing European high yield bond portfolios uh, in Nordea for for much longer than that, haven't you?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So if I should give you a a few bullet points about uh, my history there, then I think we should start uh, back in 2007. That was a year where I joined the credit team, where I still uh, part of At that point of time, it was in uh, managing funds of uh, CLOs. So a Mm -hmm. a different game that I'm in than I'm in today. Today, yeah. Um, At the same uh, time, in in 2007, uh, the core part of the high-yield team in Nadea as a management decided to start their own company, Capital Mm 4. And we at Nadea still have a very strong working relationship with those guys. Uh, At the same time, we decided to rebuild an internal offering on on Mm -hmm. high-yield. And in 2009, I joined that team, uh, to, to do that, uh, and it actually uh, was the reason for, for, my, uh, for me to, to go to that team is that I had always been wanting to uh, analyze companies and doing the bottom-up work uh, on those names, and I think that actually came back from my first job, in, uh, which was in Nodea as well, uh, back okay. in '98, where I was on equity sales in Nordea markets. Okay. Uh, working closely together with uh, equity analysts uh, and find a huge interest in, in their way of working.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, so I think that's kind of my angle into uh, to the high yield uh, universe. Yeah. And then if you should just jump forward, then in two thousand and fourteen, uh, I took uh, I came in charge of the team. So I changed the risk profile of the fund. Uh, we closed the recovery fund to the resources of the team to to the high yields and so those material changes uh, did it uh, an impact on our our performance and uh, we have now have a very good track record on, on our internal high yield uh, offerings. Yeah, yeah, so it's worked watching out that. very well.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. and congratulations to you and the team because like you say the performance has been fantastic. So uh, yeah. good. Um I thought Perhaps we could get straight into the hottest topic probably for for investors today. Um, And that's this second COVID wave that we've just uh, talked to Sebastian about uh, here in Europe. Um, And obviously the question is, you know, these latest developments that we're seeing, what does that mean for the European credit markets? Um, You know, do do you think we're going to see another drawdown like we saw in March?
2: Yeah, well, let's. One million dollar question you are, you are bringing <laughs> on there. So uh, uh, positive test is, is definitely going up. So we are in the second wave, no doubt about that. And restrictions uh, are increasing uh, and lockdowns are, are here. So it uh, is not a full stop uh, and that is important uh, but the situation is clearly uh, fragile. My base case is that uh, you will not see a drawdown like in, in in March. I simply think the situation is, is, is different. But uh, let's bring up a, a chart just so we can see what happens in uh, in March.
0: Okay. Let's see. We can pull up that slide. Here we go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So what we can see here is that the spreads in March uh, increased massively over a very short period of time. Uh, so. Comparing that with the last uh, 10 years, it's uh, rather extreme levels, but it was a very extreme situation. So I'm not saying that it's unfair. There was a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, at the time. Uh, so we didn't really know what uh, how COVID-19 was uh, spreading and how long time we should live with it and how we should cope with it. How, what how, what what impact would it do on, uh, on our businesses? Uh, with supply chain, uh, be intact or, or what? So there was a lot of uh, uncertainties and how will governments uh, act uh, on this? Um, hmm. then the governments stepped in massively, actually uh, globally. So yeah. and there was a big game changer. Hmm. Uh, so what we have learned now is that there is government support, uh, and they, I expect that to continue. Hmm. If you look at looking at the in- indust- industrial, then the supply chains actually worked out uh, okay, not perfectly, but it worked out better than expected and people even got their toilet paper, uh, so. <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> yeah, um, so I think most uh, industrial companies can can cope with the situation, uh, then maybe run with a higher inventory level to uh, to uh, have a buffer for, for any disruptions in, in the supply chain. Um, and we know more about how to, to treat uh, ill people, uh, and the behavior among people are, we can see that it works to, to keep distance, wash hands and wear a mask uh, and, and stuff like that. And the vaccine is getting closer, uh, still a lot of uncertainty about how long time a vaccine will be uh, working uh, in our body, but still so, a, lot, a lot of the uncertainties that we had in mass is, uh, is lower today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have seen uh, the, companies reporting Q3 numbers is actually coming out uh, pretty good, Uh, better than uh, most expected, I I think. So there's some uh, encouraging uh, information in in looking at at those numbers as well. So the the, the joke here is that we are going into a a winter period, uh, flu season. So Mm -hmm. it might take a little longer, but I think the important part is that uh, a lot of companies will. continue operating of course uh, bars restaurants and those kind of uh, businesses they clearly are in a di- very difficult situation yeah but uh, a lot of the other sectors are, are doing okay uh, lower volume than if you didn't have a 19 of course but uh, they, they are modeling through so <laughs> so I think that's the conclusion from my side is that I think that the drawdown would be lower than in, in, in math
0: well, that would be a relief for everyone, <laughs> I'm
2: sure. But, now, it, but, just, but just maybe yeah. to give it one uh, extra comment on it, um, mm. what, what we do is that we are looking at things from a bottom-up perspective. So we don't try to put a large bets on uh, market timing. That is not what we mm. are making our money on. Mm. So we just run with prudent risk relative to the benchmark. And then uh, any panic will uh, lead to uh, good opportunities, which we will take advantage of, which we did as well back in, in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, where just everything fall uh, without a, a strong link to, uh, to quality. So we, we saw just all the single bees being uh, sold off and it, g- it gave some opportunities uh, in that space, for example.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point, isn't it? Because people tend to get wrapped up in the macro stories because that's the, the interesting, exciting bit. But actually, you're bottom up, you know, you're, you're selecting securities uh, in their own right. You have to yeah. be macro aware but actually exactly. the focus is on the on the individual names exactly right yeah um so yeah almost two years ago uh, you and your team launched the uh, esg focused strategy um, targeting the european high yield market uh, i can only imagine that integrating esg in european high yield uh, is not exactly straightforward um So a lot of effort, I'm sure, goes in on that, Um, but I was wondering what you feel the benefits are of selecting, you know, strong ESG names uh, when it comes to to credit selection. Um, And perhaps while we're at it, uh, (laughs) if you found that that's helpful uh, navigating this this pandemic uh, and the environment that we've just been through.
2: Yes, you're, uh, uh, we have always been looking at the material risk factors and uh, ESG being uh, one of them. Uh, but the big change from uh, over the last two years, after we launched the European High Yield Stars, is that we now have more resources to look at the ESG. Right. So we, are, we, we got one more person, uh, one more person within my team, and then we are working closely together with the responsible investment team, and there are plus fifteen mm-hmm. uh, people on, on their side. Mm-hmm. So we are doing uh, some ESG work in our, on my team, a lot of ESG work in the investment investment team as well. A lot of sparing between the two teams, and uh, and that brings more perspective on uh, ESG profiles uh, of the companies. And that extra uh, understanding of the ESG uh, risk and opportunities, of course, is something that, that gives value uh, in our process. The more we know about risk factors, uh, the better. Of, of course. Right. So then, if you should jump to the current situation, uh, actually, I think one of the more encouraging things that I've uh, seen is that uh, companies are still focusing on uh, ESG. I was, uh, before the COVID-19, I, w- I did have a, a fear that maybe uh, some kind of crisis will uh, change their focus from long-term ESG focus to more short-term survival. Mm. But uh, that has not been the case uh, as, as I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we should bring uh, bring the next slides. Uh, so way. there is a lot of uh, support from government, uh, which is one of the stakeholders uh, pushing it, it in, a, in a in a greener way. So we have the European Green Deal, which was for, uh, before COVID-19 uh, mm-hmm. but kind of setting the scene for for big in, investments in, uh, in, in in green uh, in, in green uh, things so there's a lot of uh, tailwinds from uh, from governments Uh, it has helped the the car industries just to to give an example Uh, so a lot of uh, money going that way and comments from the car industry that that it is uh, working it has definitely been a supportive factor Uh, so understanding that uh, that there is money going that way uh, of course is uh, something that is relevant to take into consideration uh, and then uh, in addition, I think it's it's very good to see that investors uh, are, re- are ready to, to come with money and invest in uh, ESG products. I think that is uh, very important as well, uh, because it's a very strong way for investors to express their ESG view. Uh, money simply talks. So when they yeah. come with money and invest in, in ESG uh, funds, being equity, high yield investment grade or, or whatever, it's actually a, a very strong way to, to change uh, the companies because that is something they listen to. For sure. Where the money is. So.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, from a UK perspective, we're seeing a lot of interest now in, in ESG strategies, I think it's still relatively new, but, uh, I think there's a wall of money coming, uh, yeah. into that space right now. Hmm. So we've dis- discussed in uh, other sessions, uh, the, the you know, the investors are, are looking more at ESG and, you know, the UK. I see it myself. Um, so it's really sort of coming of age uh, in our industry. And you've just mentioned as well, the government that's of course, is uh, sort of subsidizing that to a certain uh, degree, but also the regulator is, is forcing it. And we're seeing that uh, with MIFID too, Um and the profiling of clients and stuff. So there's a lot going on. I just wondered if you see the same happening on the corporate side, you know, um, obviously you're talking to a lot of companies. Um, do you see them making more efforts uh, towards, you know, ESG and ESG related uh, matters? Um, do you feel that same, that that starting of momentum? Is it gaining speed now?
2: Yeah, it, uh, I, I definitely see that. Uh, when we are uh, listening to net road shows and stuff like that and just talking with companies they are very much aware of the importance of uh, esg factors uh, so it's a, a strategic uh, issue for from a lot of the companies mm-hmm. not all but uh, for a lot of them uh, uh, and then the, the trick for us is to to figure out to what extent is just uh, pr and to what extent it's <laughs> the real deal Yes, uh, yeah. but but even though it's just uh, PR, even uh, though we when you we were scratching in the surface, uh, surface uh, that uh, there could be more to done to do, mm-hmm. and it's, it still shows some uh, awareness of ESG. And I think awareness is the first step to uh, to real actions. So even though it's just PR, it's still a positive thing. But a lot of companies are are doing more uh, definitely. Uh, and just to give a couple of examples, uh, Drax for for a long time have been in a, a process of uh, moving to a more uh, a green uh, energy production.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we have AIB uh, they're hosting a, a half day uh, uh, conference, virtual conference on uh, uh, on sustainability. Uh, so a lot of companies are, are taking ESG uh, very seriously, and uh, and that's what we see. So yeah.
0: That's, that's good to see um we talked before about um you know the various challenges that you face and uh, one question that we get asked fairly frequently is how do you deal with a you know non-esg rated companies or perhaps companies that don't rate so well you know we have this internal uh, responsible investment team with the abc c being uh, companies that you can't invest in so you know how do you Deal with that maybe you could just give us a few
2: words yeah sure so you're right one of the challenges in uh, in high yields uh, is that uh, a lot of uh, our names do, do not have a uh, listed equity and uh, a lot of those are not uh, covered by msci so don't have an, a rating there no uh, so so let me explain explain what, what what we are doing so if there's a rating from msci then we, of course, look at the rating, we read the, the reports and, and understand the, the reason behind that rating. So we are taking that information with us uh, on all our names, no matter if they have an MSCI rating or not. Then we are evaluating the business model and we look across sectors. So I think that's a very strong approach relative to MSCI. Uh, they look more sector by sector. So in the MSCI world, you can have... a. You have good and bad oil companies. You have good and bad uh, IT and healthcare companies. But uh, if you should, the the bad IT or healthcare company could still be better than the good oil company if you look across sectors. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's a very important thing to, to do. And for that reason, we, we always evaluate the business model, no matter if there is an MSI rating or, or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we look into what's uh, what's ESG, uh Issues we think is it's most most relevant for that specific company, and that's uh, more than just a sector thing. So again, MSCI thinks think more uh, on a sector basis. So taking a company like uh, young which is a facility management uh, company, they are in the service sector. So MSCI look at them as a service company and have some checkpoints to to go through when they do that. Uh, but we think that the most important thing about a company like that might be. A, Bribery because that is a lot of small entities on on, on their side making contracts with a small a lot of small entities on the client side, and that gives it a risk of, uh, of bribery. Mm-hmm. So, that is very specific for, for those kind of uh, service companies. MSCI uh, really don't look into that, and I think that's a relevant thing to look into. Uh, and then we dig into that, and then we do that based on our specific knowledge about uh, the, each, each company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we are evaluating things, we kind of doing it, it in, in two angles, uh, evaluating uh, the probability of uh, some ESG uh, events to, to happen, and then the, on the other angle, the implication, uh, the impacts that happen. And, and based on those two, we kind of uh, get in, uh, getting an understanding of how se- severe an ESG risk uh, we, are, we are facing. Mm. Uh, and then all the information that we are gathering in the, in the, in the credit team, we share that with the responsible investment team. We are getting some uh, feedback based on uh, what, what they see and things, and, and then they can use that uh, information as input in their engagement process as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so uh, so on the, on the non-rated, uh, I would say it actually comes, comes down to an extra source of information. So it's yeah. of course great to have, the more information, the better. Uh, but it's even if, if it's rated or not, we will evaluate the business model and go through that now as well.
0: So, you're obviously we've been talking to um, some of the, the teams on the equity side. You're the first person that we've had um, on Morning Expresso on the on the fixed income side. So, you know, you talk about the responsible investment team, and you know, certainly on the equity side, this is a very integrated you know, part of the team. So you have a, a, a member of the responsible investment team sat with the portfolio management team um, involved in the meetings. Is that the same on the fixed income side as, it, as on the equity
2: side? No, it's not. So uh, uh, each analyst on, on my side, runs uh, run with things themselves. So uh, we are splitting it, it out. So uh, I think that, that each analyst should be capable of uh, digging into the ESG uh, things and, and not be, be one specific person. Then they, it's great to have uh, persons on the responsible investment side uh, having a special knowledge about the uh, ESG so they can can be a great sparing partner. And, uh, and in the end of the day, it's the responsible investment team putting an internal ESG score on on our names, so they have a, a final say if, if they think that the, a name is is qualifying for for the for the fund from an ESG perspective. So can they veto a name? Then is that? Possible? Yeah, they can do that because they can just putting a, a low rating on it and then it's out. Yeah. So,
0: wow.
2: So, so, and of course we do the same. So if you don't like a name is not going in there as well. So it has to be both us in the credit team and response investment team saying that it's, it's good enough for the, for the fund. And then you can go in if relative value makes sense as well.
0: Great. Well, um, it certainly seems to be working. Uh, the performance has been, uh, really good so far. So congratulations again, and uh, it, it must be satisfying to have both the standard European high yield and ESG version both doing well. So uh, so that's great. Maybe we come now to the uh, key takeaways. So uh, we have a slide on that. So uh, again, if there's anything at the end Torben that you would like to add, then, uh, then feel free, but um, you know, obviously we're, <laughs> we're in a pretty complex environment right now with these COVID cases that we're seeing on the rise uh, here in, in Europe, and um, you know, of course, volatility is is to be expected. Um, but we don't expect the big drawdowns that we saw back in March. Um, and of course, any drawdowns do present opportunities. Um, and again, you know, like we mentioned right at the beginning, it's very much a bottom-up process. So um, So that's where the opportunities could could come in. Of course ESG plays uh, an important role in European high yield as it does in other asset classes as well Um, and uh, you know those are just like you were saying before you know you you have a toolbox and the more tools you have in that toolbox the better Um, and ESG is is one of many of them that, that you use and there's a couple of examples here like leverage and multiples as well. Um, and then finally, you know, it's not just on the investor side that we see uh, more and more interest on the ESG. Uh, you're seeing this as well from, from companies. Um, and and you know, we also mentioned the policymakers and the regulators. So you know, everything seems to be moving in, in one direction. And um, I think that we will expect that to continue for, for many years to come. Anything to add Torben before we wrap up? Yeah, I think that looks good. Thank you very much for your time this morning, and sure. uh, I look forward to, to continuing to follow uh, the performance of both your European high yield, but also the, the stars as well, and uh, let's let's see how things uh, develop. Next Great. week, uh, on Wednesday, the 11th of November, I have René Peterson um, and Frederick Weber, and they are from our European stars equity strategy. Um, They have actually the highest hurdles in terms of our internal ESG ratings of all the stars funds. Um, So we're going to talk about that and and plenty of other things uh, besides that. But before that, uh, this Friday, we have a very special morning espresso, uh, which we've chosen to actually call Afternoon Americano. Yeah, no prizes for guessing what I'm going to say next. What I'll be doing is talking to Stephen Friedman from Mackay Shields, um, and we'll be discussing the results of the US elections in a little bit more depth than we did this morning. Um, That's going to be at 3 o'clock CET. um, So that will be a live Friday afternoon. So please do join us for that. I'm sure it will be a very interesting discussion. In the meantime, don't forget to visit nadea.lu, where you will find our Stay Alert microsite, and there you will have all the previous recordings, um, podcasts, and Q&As. That's it for now. I'll see you on Friday afternoon.